at House Speaker John Boehner has announced he's resigning. The question is, who will take his place? Florida's Daniel Webster says he'll run. There's speculation number two House Republican Kevin McCarthy is in line for the job. But senior political editor Steve Shigaris. Mission given to me by Woody Shaw, Sunship, Dizzy, and John Kahn. Dedicated to pursuing a piece of our cultural heritage through interviews with my music heroes. This is the Jake Feinberg Show. Folks, welcome inside the Paris Sea Palace, high above 2919 East Broadway. This is the Jake Feinberg Show on Power Talk 1210 KEVT. Salary to Tucson, thank you for making us part of your day today. And without further ado, I want to introduce uh, my next guest, a really talented keyboard player, came out of the San Francisco Bay Area, has played with everybody from Herbie Hancock to the city section to Graham Central Station. Nate Ginsburg, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you so much, Jake. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, you have no idea how what a thrill this is, man. I, uh... You know, I just wanted to, I wanted to start off by asking you, uh, sort of just stepping back for a minute and uh, asking you if you were aware of the uh, of how music was created, that the fact that music was created in the community when you were really coming up. I mean, when you look at the bands, especially from your the the regional area of the country that you were in, they 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 spawned from the community, and I wanted to know if you were aware of that at that time. Well, I grew up in Fresno, which was a little bit of a melting pot, actually, for both the L.A. area and the San Francisco area. It's about it's about four or five hours from uh, L.A. and three or four hours from San Francisco. So we got the groups that came in uh, from those areas, and uh, it, of course it would always be uh, on a Friday or sometimes an off night, but I would come and see them. I would go and see them at the uh, at the bigger venues, and I was definitely influenced by by that type of uh, you might say community. Um, that's you know, and being in being in Fresno, like I said, those groups they they needed a, an extra stop off after between San Francisco and L.A. So we got to see quite a few groups there in, in Fresno. What uh? Can I ask you? Did, did any uh, you know? Did any like pop groups come out of there? Like that we know that 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 uh, that the world knows of it all. Well, there was uh, a duo I know for sure. Lee Michaels came from Fresno. Wow! Um, oh wow! Okay, the 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 organ drum duo kind of thing. Uh huh. Yeah, and right. If I'm not mistaken, Cher also came from Fresno. She was, um, I believe she was Armenian. There's a large, large Armenian population in Fresno. Wow. Uh, Bruce Conti, whom uh, I met in Fresno, <laughs> came, came from there. He was the, one of the original guitar players, probably of the most famous recordings from Tower of Power. He um, got fairly big in Fresno and then moved up to San Francisco where he uh, 
was in a band called The Loading Zone, and eventually worked his way into Tower of Power. I just um, I know it's so, funny. I just uh, yeah. I just reconnected. I I never I just connected with Conti. Uh, uh, he's out in the Philippines, uh, but that cat and his brother. I guess here's the question: Tell me, you know, a Sacramento had San. Uh, 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 Fresno. I know, but I'm saying Sacramento had Dave Soul Kitchen. Uh, San Francisco had a host of, uh, you know, the Fillmore District. Tell me the the couple of clubs that the the organ trios, because at that time, when, but really before your professional career took off, the organ was coming out of the church and into the nightclub. And I'm trying to figure out the. The, the the black soul clubs, the jazz clubs that you were frequenting in Fresno? Yeah, um, where where I was, uh, there was the Elks Club, which uh, brought many, many groups from out of us, black, you know, really soulful black groups from, from out of town. That was the Elks Club, and they also uh, had some, you know, a lot of pickup, you you know, if you were good in the, in the Fresno area and somebody was coming through, you know, maybe had, uh, maybe somebody like James Brown, or even you know, possibly a lesser, a yeah. lesser name. You would be called in and to play at the Elks Club with those people. There were a few. Uh, there, you know, as as jazz clubs, uh, there was a Frontier Club that was a very small place. Um, let's see. I know it at one point. Uh, there, there was a Tokyo Gardens that had some some jazz music. A lot of the um, uh, let's see, Johnny Salatino was also one of the one of the organ players around that area at the time. Wow. Um, and um, but what my influence was not so much as a jazz organ trio. It was uh, you know they had. Uh, there were groups that came into the Rainbow Ballroom. Uh, there was also, uh, uh, gosh, I can't, uh, I can't think of the other ballroom that was right around in that at that time frame when you know the the music was hot. The it music was. was was pretty much on fire, and that's where everybody went to. Were, were you were you more? You said you weren't that getting off on jazz so much at that time. Or what were, I mean, you really no no. No, not true. Uh, I, I was into jazz at the time, but um, you know, I, at uh, around seventy-two, I was eighteen. So I'm, uh, I wasn't quite as old as some of the other of the other guys that were, you know, already in the scene before I before I arrived on it. Uh, they were my mentors for sure. And then uh, right about mm, seventy-three, the end of seventy-three, I moved up to the Bay Area. So that's kind of that was my yeah. You know, that's I mean, I Nate Ginsburg. I mean, Nate Ginsburg moved. I, I was born in '78, so the idea that 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 you went during I think maybe the greatest year in music history, 1973, into the Bay Area. I cannot even. Can you describe uh, the gigs, the first gigs that you got when you got to the Bay Area? Who who got you? Who sort of opened themselves up and said, "Hey, Nate, let's. I got a gig. Let's let, let's do it." Well, actually, I was um, it, as uh, as it as it was. It was Bruce Conti who came from Fresno. Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, on a bus from uh, San Francisco out to Concord, which is only about an hour from San Francisco. And the Tower of Power was playing out there. And uh, a friend of the whole band, Tower of Power, there was a, a man called uh, a, a really good, wonderful soul singer, a white guy, Mitch Tubman 
was on the bus, and Mitch had just um, uh, broke the, his band had just broken up. He was looking for some new players, brand new players, and uh, he asked Bruce, and Bruce knew some knew us. We were a group from uh, uh, it's called March Hare at the time uh, from Fresno, and all four of us came up to. Uh, play with Big Mitch through Bruce's recommendation, actually. So it was all through Bruce Conti. I love this. That, I love this. I mean, this is... That I, I, I was able to make a breakup here. <laughs> we, we started playing in the local clubs at the time. Uh, you know, a little bit of top 40, some original, but to really work, you know, it was it was something that we did for five nights a week, and then we had, off, you know, off nights as well, Saturday and sun, Sunday and Monday. We were very busy with a band called, we called it Baby Fat. He was a big dude, you know, it was funny. In those days, he wore uh, tennis shoes <laughs> that were uh, platform <laughs> tennis shoes. He was an outrageous character, but a wonderful singer, and he was a great mentor for me, actually. He turned me on to so many wonderful jazz and deep, you know, soul singers. That was just amazing. At that time, also, Tower of Power was, was ultra hot. Um, with what is hip, they had just recorded, you know, that that that, that Tower Power album with what is hip, and uh, we were on a roll at that moment. All right, I want to go. This so, is extremely important. Uh, this is this is where the Jake Feinberg show lies, really. Um, the name of the band that you were in originally, the quartet, uh, was called what? That came up from Fresno. We were called um, well. The original, you know, it was actually a conglomeration. There was um, uh, Charlie McGarrion from the Jesters, and the other three of us were from a band called March Hare, you know, from Alice in Wonderland. It was called March Hare. <laughs> right, right. And pretty popular in Fresno. It was actually a, a larger band, and we were willing to, we were ready to get out of Fresno at the time. You know, we were the big fish in the small pond, so to speak. And it was time for us to move up, so... Uh, it was pretty funny because when our first, when we first came up to San Francisco, we went right to the cent, you know, basically the North Beach area, which would be like somebody said, "Hey, you're going to New York," and you would drive to New York and just end up in Manhattan, thinking that that's where you're you're going to meet the guys. Uh, it was pretty funny. We didn't we didn't really know where we were going, but um, had met eventually met at Bruce Conti's house. Um, on the other side of the San Francisco Bay, and uh, got together, and from that t from that point on, it was uh, it was really it was a live live scene in San Francisco. The, the Keystone there was Keystone Corner that was all jazz. Mm -hmm. I went to see Cecil Taylor there. Mm -hmm. I saw Bill Evans there. I saw million, lots and lots of uh, of jazz jazz uh, players there, the original Keystone Corner, which was in North Beach. Then they opened uh, Keystone Berkeley, which was more, uh, uh, you know, rock acts, uh, all different. They, they, they did so many different styles. That's what was so not, so interesting at the time. It wasn't just rock. It wasn't just jazz. It was soul. They did reggae. They, they, they did absolutely everything. And, uh, it was so refreshing just because everybody was into something different in the 73, 74, those years, for sure. I was going to ask you, um, yeah, because the Keystone Corner, uh, I think a guy named Frank Herrera sold it to, to Todd Barkin right when you moved up there, and it became just a straight-ahead swinging jazz club. But um, 
Can you talk to the audience a little bit, uh, Mr. Ginsburg? I, I, I really want to believe that you were kicking pedals a lot on the B3. Can, can you, I, 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 I think it's really, I mean, I, did, did the quartet have a bass player in it or were you playing bass? No, no. Uh, at the time, uh, we had a bass player, uh, and he was such a good singer. Part of the uh, part of the thing that I was in at the time was vocal was vocal music. Although I, I was into jazz. In fact, um, uh, in Fresno, I, had, I was totally into Herbie Hancock's music and uh, uh, George Duke. Oh, yeah. I love George Duke. So. Oh, yeah. As much as the organ trio and the older stuff, I was I was into uh, you know the newer synth and electric piano, along with Chick Corea was was one of my favorites as well. So I I, I wish I could say I was really kicking bass, but um, I wasn't. I was I was I could play the organ, but I wasn't kicking kicking left at left foot bass. <laughs> no, you weren't. Yeah, there was uh, that was you know you left that for. Groove Holmes and, and Jimmy McGriff and those. But, you know, this is so phenomenal because you really came in. I have a hard time when the synth really came to dominate uh, music, you know, post-75. But the, the idea of that early experimentation with electronic keyboards and, you know, I remember speaking to John Hurd, the bass player, because he was doing all these MPS sessions with George Duke, and he said he looked... He said George looked like an old telephone operator plugging in all these things to the board. You know, he it was just. He, did you have a huge rig? Can you talk about how you got your rig around? Were you playing a, a, a big rig at that point? Yeah. Oh, I had four keyboards at, <laughs> at one point that I, that I would uh, lug around. I had uh, strings. Uh, you know, the old arc strings. I had a clavinet. I had a Fender Rhodes and a Mini Moog. And um, it's kind of a funny story. I know. Uh, at the time, uh, uh, that's what I was using. I was getting used to the, the Moog, and uh, eventually I owned a profit. But um, when I did an odd... Well, uh, from, from those days and me being up here, eventually I, uh, you know, I, I made myself by clavinet and synthesizer. I worked my way into Larry Graham's band from from the original band that I started here in the Bay Area. Uh, so I was in Baby Fat, and a drummer, uh, Gaylord Butch, an absolutely wonderful drummer, has worked with a lot of jazz cats, worked with Larry Graham for many years, came to hear our band, and at that time, the Baby Fat band, at that time, Larry Graham was looking for a clavinet synth player, and I, was, I had really worked my clav chops, and uh, it was fairly good at synthesizer, and uh, I got the audition and got the gig, which was so amazing for me. You know, it was like, wow, this is the big time for me. It's my first start, and it sure was. It started, it kick-started, and uh, I worked with uh, Larry for a year. We were on Soul Train. I recorded two albums with him, Star Walk, and my radio sure sounds good to me. It was the name of the band, what's the name of the album? And uh, that was that was amazing, just to uh, think that you know a lonely guy from Fresno came up, worked in a, a little club band, and the next thing I know, I'm working with a national act. Well, yeah, you jumped the shark. So let's let's play let's put in this piece of music here, take a listen to it, and uh, then we'll come back and break it down. Okay. Great, you bet. Thanks.
my radio sure sounds good to me. Music on the Jake Feinberg Show brought to you in part by the Stereo Hospital, the Circle Tree Ranch, and Abbott Taylor Jewelers, and we thank you for your support. All right, Mr. Ginsburg, what do you got for us? Wow. Well, that's an oldie. That wasn't um, one of the biggest hits, but uh, he was sure funky. He, when um, The funk. When I, got, when I uh, did the audition for the band, I just had to take it up and up, and up, and they all went right with me. It was crazy. You know, I just, but, you uh, know, I, I wanted you to talk about, uh, you mentioned him earlier, and he's, I mean, ever since I talked to guys like Ed Neumeister, who were catching him with the Tom Costa trio at the Black Saint in Oakland, Gaylord Birch, um, I know he's left us now, but can you just talk about what made him a great drummer? It's so hard now, uh, you, uh, you know, you, you talk to guys like Lee Sklar, and they're, you go, you know, you got you go to these shows. They call them Nam Show Chops, and a lot of my generation, they really like to show off and and show their technique. But it's the feel, Ginsburg, and I want you to talk about Gaylord's feel as a drummer. Oh, that was he was all about the feel. Uh, in fact, uh, he could, and the the interesting thing about him is that he could play any style. And it's funny, uh, a lot of times when I'm playing, people they tell me, man, you look like you're having, having so much fun, you look like you're having a ball. And every time, I was not a single time that you didn't look at Gaylord, and he looked like he was having the time of his life. <laughs> he was very energetic, uh, you know, his spirit. It was one thing about Gaylord, you felt his spirit come through. And that's what I really loved about playing with him. And I, was, I felt so honored that he picked me to come on and try out with Larry. You know, it, it, it just, I, I, I was just, it was just so very special for me for Gaylord to pick me and say, hey, come on, join, you know, see if you can join our group, audition for the group. I mean, uh, so, yeah, the, yeah his, his feel was very special. It, it you know, it, uh, it's hard to explain it on the, on the radio, of course, but. Just the way he played, everything was, was right there. You knew where he was going. Uh, it wasn't, you know, some drummers that I, I played with, they're great. You're not sure, wait a minute, is, is it going this way or is it going that way? <laughs> you knew exactly where he was going. Um, you know, you've played with some heavy cats. Uh, I wanted to go back. How did how did Herbie, did, did you first see Herbie in Fresno? And also part two of that question when did he discover you? Ah, very good question. Um, when I was in Fresno, I was into jazz. I mean, I was definitely into jazz, and Herbie was one of my favorites. He was one of the groundbreakers. I I listened to him on you know on his jazz stuff, and also with Miles. But later, you know, with the Headhunters, mm -hmm. oh, that was my stuff. Yeah, right. And okay. I have to say, um, I hung out. Uh, you know, in, in my mind, when I was 16, 17, both jazz was hot and also black music, the funk. And uh, I was 100% both feet into the funk. And when uh, Herbie came out with that and all of Herbie's subsequent stuff with, you know, melding deep jazz with the heavy funk, it, I was I was all over it. And... Uh, <laughs> That's one of the reasons that, you know, I, I realized um, it's funny because uh, Milton Root, who's also a drummer that I worked with, he came up from Fresno with us. He eventually married Helen Reddy and was with her for 10 years. He caught me on to the um, uh, stick control <laughs> book, and I used that 
for my funk chops, which was very interesting. But um, after uh, Larry Graham's band, uh, I started with a group, Jump Street. And the Jump Street was an original group with uh, Bruce Conti, uh, the guitar player. And you uh, you mentioned his brother. It's not actually his brother. It's his cousin, mm-hmm. Victor Conti. Victor, whom, yeah. uh, I know you, you probably know from the... Uh, the Balco. The ba- I mean, yeah. No, I'm looking to get to Victor as soon as possible. I'm not, I don't. I could care less about Balco because that guy was that 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 band, Pure F- Food and Drug Act with Harvey Mandel, was ridiculous. How good a bass player he was. Go oh, ahead. Really great. Yeah. But the uh, the Jump Street band, we had an album full of great material. It was uh, David Rubinson, whom uh, who, who produced Chambers Brothers, Santana, Big Brother, and the Holding Company. He had a whole slew of acts uh, owned the automat at that time and i would we would rehearse the jump street original band would rehearse there and i'd walk through and there'd be santana and, and one side and herbie recording on the other it was just so crazy and uh david rubinson put our lead singer gavin christopher with herbie to write some uh songs together so gavin was singing on herbie's stuff well, uh, around about, we were, we were together about a year and a half, and around about February and March, right when Herbie was starting to go out, David wanted to put Gavin onto Herbie's tour, and that would pretty much break up our band, but it was, it was, it was all good. Eventually, Victor, who was the leader of the Jump Street band, Victor Conti, went with Herbie as well. So Gavin and Victor were, were going to tour with Herbie, and... Um, as it turned out, there were two keyboard players that were supposed to be the second keyboard players that were supposed to be with Herbie, and they kind of fell out. They had, you know, other problems. They couldn't do it. So I got the audition, and at the time, I was really good with programming synths. And I, I pretty much programmed all of uh, Herbie's stuff so that when I went into the audition, I knew exactly what I was going to be doing. So there was no doubt. When Herbie asked, we were all standing around after the audition. He said, "Well, Nate, can you can you come down here?" I just about fell backwards and said, "Absolutely, I'll be down as soon as I can." You know, that was it. I was in. That was very crazy. Wonderful time for me. Can you talk about a a leadership quality that he had that Herbie has that separates him that that doesn't get recognized a lot, and that might be a nuanced thing, but that clearly separates him from a lot of other musicians. Oh my gosh, I've got a great story. Um, so there we were rehearsing, and we're doing it on a regular basis, and uh, one of his tech guys was kind of floating around a rumor that he didn't like the way I played. Something was going down, you know, and I, and I had heard a little rumor going, and uh, I was like, wow, I mean, I'm doing all the parts. I'm doing I'm doing a great job. I don't know why I, this would be going around. Well, uh at our first gig, it was down in San Diego. We took a bus from L.A. We were rehearsing in Hollywood and uh, took a bus down to L.A. I went down to San Diego and played the open-air theater. Herbie was spearheading lots of different, uh, lots of different uh, technologies, and he was one of the first to do videos just of the concert so he could watch it back. And he had done a video of that show, of our very first show, and was watching it as we returned to L.A. And he was watching it in the back room. They have a special back room in this big bus. About middle of the way through, he came back, he came up to me, he sat down next to me, and he said, Nate, this is going to be a great tour. 
I'm so glad you're on it. We're going to have a great time. And basically, he was dispelling any rumor about anything going down by anybody. And it just, it really, he really took a leadership role in that respect. I love that story. And yeah. It, it, it was, that was such a, it was such a warm-hearted story for me. I felt so comfortable after that. And, uh, and he, I, I have to say, after I read uh, Herbie's book not long ago, Possibilities. I don't mm-hmm. know if you read that. Not yet, book. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he he led just like he said uh, Miles led. Let the guys, you know, kind of by example, but let, he didn't. Not a lot of instruction. Not a lot of uh, you know rules and regulations. Just here it is. You'll know what to do. If I have anything to say, I will. But most of the time, it was I knew what to do. So it worked out really, really well. A lot of fun. We got another track. Um, yeah, we got another track of music here, uh, Ginsburg. I want to. This is. Uh, very special so lock it in and then we'll uh we'll come back and break it down absolutely Parisi Palace. You're listening to the Jake Feinberg Show on KEVT. All right, Mr. Ginsburg, what do you got for us, brother? Oh, my gosh. That uh, brought back a couple of things. Uh, <laughs> we went through uh, New Orleans uh, and played at Old Man Rivers with Herbie when I was playing with Herbie. Yeah. And we did a lot of shows and uh, all around the States, played uh, Avery Fisher Hall, uh, in New York, uh, we played, oh, I think we played a, uh, I'm pretty sure it was in Richmond, and it was a huge, huge uh, stadium, and it was just filled with people. It was one of my, one of my largest shows ever. But um, two of my most memorable with Herbie was um, the Playboy Jazz Festival. It was about, I think about only their third, third Playboy Jazz Festival. At the time, there were a lot. I met a lot of people backstage. It was at the Hollywood Bowl, 
the George Duke, and Chick Corea, all really famous, wonderful cats. And um, at the end of that show, well, during the show, Dizzy Gillespie sat in with us. Oh, this is unbelievable. That, I, unbelievable. That, Dizzy sat in with you. That is awesome. That <laughs> <laughs> was crazy. It was so cool and, and so good. Yeah. But at the end of the show, at the end of the show, Herbie, and here's another part of your Herbie's leadership. At the end of the show, he would have me come out with a strap-on synth, and I would play about 64 bars. He would come out from the other side of the stage and do 64 bars. Then I'd, I'd move in, 32, he'd move in, and pretty soon we'd be dueling synths with strap-ons, right? It was strap-on synthesizers. It was crazy. <laughs> but this last show at, uh, not the last show, but the Herbie, uh, the Hollywood Bowl show, Randy Brecker, Michael Brecker, Herbie Hancock, and me, Nate Ginsburg, were trading fours at the very end of the show. It was, what an amazing experience. It was very, very special for me. Did you, so that last piece of music, were you aware that that, that, that was, that was not Herbie though? That was you, but do you know what band that was? I'm sorry, say the question again? That, that, that music clip that we played, did, did, did you know what band that was? Because that wasn't her. No. Yeah, that, that... That was me? That was you, brother, and that was... And, and this is where the Jake Feinberg pocket lies uh, more <laughs> more than ever before. This is a band with uh, a couple of char- a bunch of characters in it. Uh, we got uh, Billy Kreutzman, Dave Margan, and Jerry Cortez, Alex Lickerwood. That was... Uh, uh, that was a live show from 1986 from uh, the Lone Star Cafe in New York City. Uh, the band Go. Oh my God. The band Go Ahead. I, but can you talk about City Section? Can you talk about how you met? The, I mean, did you see Salsa Day Berkeley with the steel drums? I, I I love. I'm obsessed with Margin and Cortez and Kreutzmann. These guys, and the fact that you played and and just um, uh, you know, I mean, you just played with a lot of dudes. I mean. When you think about the the drummers, you know Tony Williams, uh, you know oh, uh, Billy. Tony Cro- but but but, <laughs> Tony but I mean, the talk. Sure. Can you I talk? Didn't realize, yeah. That's crazy. I didn't realize that that was. <laughs> you were you riffed, You <laughs> were just was... too focused on Herbie. But no, that was that was go ahead, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah that was a that was a really good band. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure Dave Morgan had put that together with uh, when when I worked with in that band with Bill Kreutzmann and Alex Lidgerwood is just an absolutely wonderful singer. What a, what an artist. Uh, I was listening to Alex in uh, when he was playing with Brian Auger. That was one of my favorite albums. Ever, actually, ever. Live, obli- live Oblivion from from uh, the Sunset Strip from the Go-Go. I, I, tell the truth, Lidgerwood is on fire. He uh, On fire on that. It's like 74. And the funny thing is, he's still around, and he's still doing such a, a fantastic no, job. No, he's kicking I mean, butt. He's I know. Up. He's unbelievable. He's yeah. Can you talk about City Section? I mean, I mean that that to me is, I would pay, I would pay at least a couple hundred dollars to see you guys if you guys were playing, right? <laughs> that was an amazing band uh, uh, with uh, Jerry on, on uh, guitar. He was such a phenomenal guitar player. And uh, Dave Perper was our drummer. Right. Um, Dave, Dave Morgan was bass playing, and uh, Morgan was, I mean, uh, Alex Lidgerwood was singing. We had a lot of original tunes. We did some uh, very special cover tunes as well, and played around the Bay Area and Northern California. 
trying to get a record deal desperately, and uh, I don't know. I think you know between I hate to say it between the drugs and and just a, a little bit of unorganization and stuff going down. You know, with well, we've got this opportunity, and somebody else had a different opportunity. It never really came together as I as I would like to have. It, it had right yeah. no i mean the can you talk i mean you're t- you know we've been talking about these grooves and uh the different kinds of ways that uh cats were playing uh, gaylord birch and, and you know tony williams but uh billy kreutzman how would you how would you uh, analyze his drumming style i mean even though you didn't play a lot of shows with him you guys did fit in you fit together pretty well can you talk about his style well what i really liked uh he he uh he had a great feel and and could do a lot of different things. That's what was that was what was was great in that band. We ended up playing like he just like he just played Pocky Way. We ended up playing you know funk. We played rock. We played uh, some swing as well. He had a great swing feel. Absolutely, you know shuffle feel, sure. really good shuffle feel, and. Um, and, and, you know, it was it was just that those days were uh, you know going around. A lot of it was was really how do I want to say uh, a little disjointed in in some ways because we would play one place you'd hear good, the next place you couldn't hear as well. A huge stage which was hard to hear, and then uh, and you know most of the time in the rehearsals it was good because you you know you got used to the feeling so. Um, That's kind of yeah, no. It's, uh, talking to Nate Ginsburg and uh, Nate, I just wanted to ask you uh, uh, your before you before you take off here. Um, can you talk to the audience about your concept of of love and um, and how you bring love to people every day? Oh, that's that's a great question. Um, in my own in my own heart, um, I have been. Uh, you know, it all stems from music, and and I have to be honest. I've been playing music since I was seven years old, and singing, and uh, it really all does stem from from playing music and and being joyful in that respect. I um, now I teach. I teach a lot. I teach almost. Uh, you know, I teach small kids, large kids. You know, uh, teenagers as well, and. Uh, for me to give that music back after music has given me so much, that's that's my leg. You might say that's my legacy. I've, I've added uh, playing for sure, you know. And like I said, when 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 I play, I'm truly blessed. I always have a smile on my face. I'm so lucky to be able to play music for a living and and give it to other people along, you know, in instruction. And many, many times I hear, uh, I'm so glad that you taught many, many families that I've taught the whole family, which is great. And I hear all the time, Nate, the way you play, it's so much fun to watch you and listen to you. So uh, I think I'm the only one in my family that that, uh, eventually did music for a living. And uh, I think it really shows that I love music and that's how I display my love. I'm reading here also, uh, uh, you're, you have a teenage, how old is your son now? My son is 22 years old. He just uh, graduated from high school, I mean, from, uh, from college. Yes. And uh, went to UC Davis out here. He got an internship in New Zealand, and 
uh, a friend of mine who also works for Adobe, also a singer, uh, Jay Middleton, uh, got him an interview through Adobe, and he passed the interviews great, and now he's working for Adobe. It's amazing. He just graduated. He's doing a great job with Adobe in the social media That's, department. No, he says, because I was reading here, this, you, at one point you stayed home to guide him. What does that mean? Oh, I was the stay-at-home dad. But okay, so you were just guiding him. You're just guiding him on the right path. I see. That's what it was. Well, um, honestly, um, I had. Uh, well, my wife went back to work. I was taking him to preschool, you know, and, and doing all of that. I also uh, we went through Boy Scouts. You know, I, I guided him through Boy Scouts, which is a great organization for character building. I love that organization. It really, it, you know, he's really you know. He became a resourceful man because of Boy Scouts. I also um, mentored his jazz group. He played saxophone in high school. Got the, he actually got the uh, <laughs> he got the Satchmo Award, Louis Armstrong Award, the jazz award from his high school. It was the same high school that Barry Parks and, and uh, Tom Brady went to, Sarah High School. So in that way, I guided him you know, through scouts, through his, uh, through his jazz group, and, uh, you know, you might say, yeah, I guided him. Uh, Ginsburg, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up part two uh, after the new year. I just, I wanted to thank you for, for taking the time and, uh, and being part of the program today. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your uh, interviews and, and, uh, and all your very thoughtful questions. You're the best, man. We'll be in touch, all right? Oh, you bet. Thank All right. you, Jake. We'll All be, the best. All right, you too. We'll be right back on the Jake Feinberg Show.